Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen LaVerge. This is Mornings with Carmen. I just want to jump right in. Let's just uh, jump right in. The water is warm. Doesn't It almost doesn't matter where you are today. The water is warm. The air is warm. It's hot. Sticky. Mm-hmm. Unpleasant. Thunderstorms where I am this morning. What's going on where you are? Are you uh, part of the country that's under a heat dome? Are you a part of um, the United States that is dealing with smoke from wildfires in Canada? Bless you, uh, bless you, Canada, for the gifts you send south. I mean, most of the gifts you send south, like maple syrup, w- most welcome. This particular gift of smoke, not so welcome. But we love you, and uh, good morning to you. Where in the world are you today? What's happening there? Uh, if you are in the physical state of Hawaii, I uh, want to read you in on this this morning. Actually, if you're in Hawaii and you're listening live, God bless you, because <laughs> really early. Uh, There is a state of emergency declared for more than a million people in Hawaii. Tropical storm Calvin uh, threatening strong winds and torrential rain on the big island today. Uh, Some eight inches of rain expected uh, to fall and some some areas might see 10 inches. Now, see, this is where, you know, you have to know island lingo to know what they're talking about. That 10 inches is going to fall along the windward and southeast flank. Of the island. I didn't know an island had a flank, but there you go. It does. So um, be praying today for um, people to be safe in the midst of the storm, for God to, you know, as always, use it as an opportunity to declare his presence and his glory. Um, Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 24. If you haven't signed up for the Growing Your Faith verse of the day, you can do that at myfaithradio.com. I also invite you to sign up for reading the Bible together with us. We're going to study 2 Timothy for a couple of weeks, and you've got like five days left to sign up. So there you go. The countdown has begun. Go to MyFaithRadio.com and join us in that study of 2 Timothy. Growing Your Faith verse of the day, John chapter 5, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. They have already passed from death to life. Thinking about that uh, just for a moment, um, Jesus speaking here. I suppose when the one who is the truth emphasizes that he's telling us the truth, we should pay attention. So when Jesus um, says, I tell you the truth, do you believe him? Do you believe that Jesus, who is the truth, is telling you the truth? That is really the question. Actually, it's the question of this verse. Jesus is differentiating here between two groups of people. Individuals, yes, but two groups of people. There is a group of people who listen to Jesus and believe that he's telling the truth. 
They believe in God who sent him. And that group of people has eternal life. That group of people has already passed from death to life. That group of people, Jesus says, will never be condemned for their sins. But if there is that group of people, then there's another group of people. Like there's a, Jesus is distinguishing here between two groups of people, those who listen and believe and those who do not listen or listen and do not believe. This is actually one of the times where Jesus draws a line in terms of who will and who will, who will not inherit eternal life. If you were ever wondering, is there a place where Jesus says some, some get in and some do not, um, this is one of those places. We do not like to think about that. We don't like to think about the reality that um, some people are going to hear the words of Jesus and not believe or receive them and then not have eternal life. We don't like to think about the reality that there are people who listen to the message of Jesus um, but don't believe that God sent him and they're not going to have eternal life. We don't like we don't like to think about that. But according to Jesus, that's the truth. So I'll ask today, are you listening? Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe the words of the one whom God sent? Do you believe that he is the way to salvation? Do you believe that this this passing from death to life, this gift of not being condemned of our sins is because of Jesus, who he is and what he did? And yes, I can already hear the retort from those who say, hey, you know, Carmen, worry about yourself, worry about your own hypocrisy, worry about the log in your own eye, and I repent. But like a person in a dark, smoke-filled building that's on fire, you know, having found the way out, my hand on the crash bar of the emergency exit, I am not satisfied to simply allow everybody else to perish. I'm just not. So the way of God is the way of Christ. The way of God is grace. The way of God is love that came and took on human flesh and died, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The way of God is salvation in Jesus. The way of God is listening to the words of Jesus and believing in the one who sent him. So are you listening? Do you believe? Have you received? Let's ask God to lead us in paths of righteousness today in the name of Jesus. We say we, um, we want revival. I'm just not sure we always want what we say we want. So I want to um, open this morning here with a prayer. And then when we, um, when we come back, I, I want us to consider this question of really wanting what we pray for. Do you, do you really want what you're praying for? Let us pray. God, you're such a good, good father. We come before your throne of grace and mercy in the name of Jesus. We know we're not worthy. We also know we are welcomed and loved. So thank you, Father. We turn from the ways of the world to the way of Christ. We turn from the lies of the world to the truth of Christ. We turn from the loves of the world to your love in Christ. We turn from the ideas of the world to the mind of Christ. We turn from the spirit of the world to the spirit of Christ. Father, in turning, we repent. We come to you with hearts that are open to receive what you have to offer, life itself. Life eternal, real life now, full life, abundant life, life. Help us to walk step by step, living in faith every day, that we might have real life 
lead us in paths of righteousness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, do you really want what you're praying for? I mean, just think about that for just a moment. You know, you lift, you lift up a prayer. Do you really want what you're praying for? A lot of folks, a lot of folks praying for revival. I hear it a lot. You know, praying for revival. And if God would just send revival. And I, I just paused yesterday when somebody said that, and I'm like, hmm. I mean, knowing, now, now again, please please do not judge me as having a critical spirit in this moment. But I might have had a critical spirit in the, in the particular moment. And I might have thought to myself, I am, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that person knows what they're praying for when they pray for revival. And I'm almost certain they don't want it. I'm almost, I'm almost certain they don't want what God would send if God were to answer their prayer and send revival. Um, so <clears throat> there you go. If you know who you are, then, hey, here's looking at you. Um, so I thought today, you know what, let's spend a minute talking about what, what we're praying for when we pray for revival um, so that we can ask ourselves whether or not we really want to pray for it. <laughs> that's, my, that's my motivation here in this, uh, in this minute. Um, we say we want revival, like personal revival, or, or maybe we really want, I think when we, when we say we want revival, what we're saying is, I don't like what's happening in the world. I don't like what's happening in the culture. I don't like um, what I'm seeing. And I would like for God to fix it. I would like for God to send um, a fresh wind of his spirit and, and burn up all the chaff and just leave the good stuff. <clears throat> that's what I would like. I think that we imagine that that's what revival is. But revival is, it's not just wide, it's deep. So revival is personal. It's also professional, it's relational, it's social, it's financial, it's educational, it's systemic. It's a, it's a burning fire through the church and our workplaces and our communities and our homes and our bank accounts, and it's systemic. So the transformation wrought by revival, by great awakenings, by the Reformation, those would be times in history I would encourage you to look at and say to yourself, do I really want that? Because it goes way beyond personal salvation. Yes, I, we pray that people would encounter God in Christ Jesus and their lives would be transformed. But every Christian that I know is praying for revival, and I'm not sure that every Christian that I know is praying that we would experience systemic, radical change, not just individually, yes, that, but culture-wide. It's as if we imagine we know what would be on the other side of the sweeping through of God's refining fire. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, if you've ever been somewhere where a fire swept through, it's kind of surprising what's left behind. And there's a lot of, a lot, a lot that's charred. So every Christian praying for the spirit of the living God to fall afresh in these days. Like, we got to know what we're praying for. We're praying for holy fire to fall. Do we really know what we're praying for? And do we want that? So we're praying that the Spirit would fall afresh and that individuals would experience awakening to the things of God, that individually people would turn to him. 
that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that they would begin to walk in newness of life. And in that, you know, we think, well, then our churches would grow, like those people would come to our churches. But I want you to think about that for just a moment, for just a moment. Are you really ready for that? Is your local, the local expression of the church where you worship, where you serve, where you go to Bible study, where you find fellowship, is that local expression of the church really ready, really ready for radically transformed people to show up at the door and say, the spirit of the living God has fallen afresh on me. I have become a Christian. I have, I have nothing. I know nothing. I need everything. <laughs> like, I mean, as you pray for the spirit of God to fall afresh on people who are currently caught in sexual confusion and brokenness, sexual anarchy, people who have been through the process of transitioning from one gender expression to another, are you ready to receive and disciple them? As you pray for the spirit of God to fall afresh on people currently trapped in addiction, living on the street, literally own nothing, are you ready for them to show up and say, I've been radically transformed. I'm, I'm your brother or sister in Christ. Are we ready to receive and walk with them? How about that single mom with all those kids? None of them even have the same dad. She comes to believe that God is her father and their father and that Christ's way is the way to walk and that you, brother or sister, are her family. Are we ready to receive her as a sister and her children as fellow heirs of the kingdom of heaven? No more precious, no less precious to God than our own children or grandchildren? How about that man who will today be released from prison as a brother in Christ? Are we ready? Are we ready for him to be an agent of grace, a minister of reconciliation, a fellow servant of God in the culture? And beyond the readiness of the church to experience, you know, comprehensive reformation by the influx of all these new believers. Are you ready to receive what comes when God sends a fire in your life? Personal revival. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, we're talking uh, revival today. You've been praying for it. I've been praying for it. A fresh wind of God's spirit to blow, um, you know, to uh, bring people to a place of repentance and then bring renewal and revival to the culture. And I am, I've been convicted that we don't know what we're praying for and we don't really want what we're praying for. So revisiting the topic of what happens when God sends his holy fire, um, you know, I thought might be helpful. So 
We could look at the effects of revivals, reformations throughout history to see the depth and breadth of the change that comes when God actually does send his Holy Spirit in fresh ways. So the book of Acts is a great place to look, obviously. The history of um, the culture of the Roman Empire radically changed by Jesus' people. Um, also encourage you to read about the deep and holistic cultural change that God brought through, I mean, let's point to the Protestant Reformation. I mean, it ushered in what we know as modernity. For those of us who live in the United States of America or Canada um, or Central America, for that matter, uh, you know, think about the arrival of the American Puritans, um, followed by waves of Christians whose generational legacy is you know, Presbyterianism, Lutheran, Congregationalists. I mean, the Huguenots came, the Reformed Anglicans came, the Dutch and the Swiss and every other kind of Reformed Christian arrived and waves to a land we now call America. Would they have sought religious freedom? Would they have risked all they had at home had it not been for the revival that came as part of the Reformation? Do we really want all that comes with revival? And yes, is that history wrought with Pain. Yes, it is. I'm not denying any of that. I'm trying to point to what happens system-wide, culture-wide, worldwide when God sends a fresh wind of his spirit. Do we want the potential transformation that comes? The reorganization of national borders and boundaries. I mean, think about... Think about what God has done when he has sent revival. I'm just not sure we're ready for that. I'm not sure we want that. Do we want the potential transformation of nations, property ownership, work, government, education, health care, the justice system, media, entertainment, journalism, family life, individual rights, leisure, retirement, care for the young, care for the aged, care for the disabled, care for the poor, care for the neighbor? Do I mean, do we want all that? Because that's what comes with a reorientation of massive numbers of people to the ways of God. We might want it individually. Oh, God, I want to I walk in your ways. Help me do that today. But do we want it system-wide? Do we want it deep and wide? So before you answer, consider what Jesus said the kingdom of God would be like. And when we pray that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for revival. That, that is a one-line prayer for revival. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring it. The Spirit is interested in our lives looking like what Jesus describes the kingdom of God is like. That we would be provisional demonstrations of the kingdom of heaven. So in the kingdom, God is king. Let's just start right there. In the kingdom, God is king. Do you want that? In the kingdom, God is sovereign over everything. His glory shines everywhere, all the time, upon and through everyone. His will is done. Do you want that? Are you genuinely interested in surrendering all of your rights, even your right to be right, to God, to his will? Do you really want that? In the kingdom of heaven, there is perfect peace, genuine love, real justice for all. Are we genuinely interested in that? You're going to have to risk what you have now in order to receive and walk in 
God's peace, God's love, God's justice. Do you really want that? If the honest answer is, I don't know, um, then, and I think that is the honest answer, because we don't know. We cannot imagine what revival might change about the world we know today. We just can't. You can't see what's on the other side of a sweeping fire of God. So let's be careful how we pray today, but yes, let's pray. If you want some encouragement on prayers for personal revival, I would direct you to Psalm 139, Psalm 42, Psalm 51. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and burn it up. I mean, you know, the psalmist says, lead me along paths of everlasting life, but burn it up. Scorch it. I can't return on a path that God has scorched with holy fire. Daniel is a wonderful um, representative of this. I would encourage you to find uh, Daniel's prayers for revival throughout the ninth chapter of that book. Lamentations chapter three is a good uh, revival chapter. And then there are people who have prayed revival prayers that we could look to. Um, Billy Graham at the inauguration of Bill Clinton in 1997. Man, that was a, that was a revival prayer. Here's what Billy Graham said. Lord, remind us today that you have shown us what is good in what, and what you require of us, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. We ask that as a people, we may humble ourselves before you and seek your will for our lives and for this great nation. Help us in our nation to work as never before, to strengthen our families, to give our children hope, to give them a moral foundation for the future. So may our desire be to serve you, and in so doing, to serve one another. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you need a soundtrack for revival and for revival praying, here's a few. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Revive us again. Shine, Jesus, shine. And he reigns. Because you know what, friends? He reigns. He reigns. God is the king of the kingdom of heaven. Do we want that? Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. How many great awakenings have there been? Uh, yeah, you know, you guys know me well enough to know, not not a super great student of history. Like I know it in sweeping, you know, in like, but I'm not good. I'm not good at like date, date and time and who and what and where. So Mark Terman is going to join us next. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. There's a recent post there asking the question, the fifth great awakening. Um, so in line with the conversation about revival and what we're praying for and whether or not we really want what we're praying for. Mark Terman is going to help us unpack the question of a fifth grade awakening. What does history teach us? And, um, you know, are we ready for what God might be sending in our day? We'll also talk about mission impossible and fighting the good fight of faith in the real world today. You fighting the good faith today? Fighting the good fight of the faith today? I am. I'm on the front lines. I hope you are with me there. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen.
Hey, our friend Mark Terman is back. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. You can find what we're talking about today and tons of other great resources at denisonforum.org. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Carmen. Great to be with you today. I, I want I want all my Dallas friends to know each other. This is, God laid this on my heart over the weekend. Like I want all the people in Dallas who I know to know each other. Is that do you think that's a that's a godly desire? Oh, we're working on it. Yeah, we and we can yeah, we can knock yeah. that out in a couple hours. Okay, so I so I have so I'm gonna just put I'm gonna give you a name and then I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to for you guys to all meet each other. So um Greg Campbell. He's my new Dallas friend and I want him to meet my other Dallas friends. So there you go. I'm just okay. setting that down, setting it down. I get right. I did the same thing to Nick Nick Pitts yesterday. I'm I want all my Dallas and I and I don't know why I have so many Dallas friends on in these days. Maybe that's why. Okay, well, so you know, yeah, good deal. Yeah. Great awakenings, spiritual revivals. Like, can you give us a little um, history read in on this? Yeah, we love to talk about uh, the history of, of revival here at Denison Forum as uh, an encouragement and uh, a hope of what God may already be doing and what God will do in our part of the world. But four great awakenings in the last uh, 200 plus years in our country. Um, Kind of interesting if you go back and trace the larger story about when those things were happening. Uh, I kind of like you, Carmen. I can't always remember exactly the the dates, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, right uh, after the Civil War, uh, early nineteen hundreds, nineteen o four, nineteen o five. Four great awakenings where God just moved in such a powerful way, literally all the way across our country from New York to Seattle. And that, you know, there's stories that just astound us that um, the, the most recent one of those actually started in Wales and then spread across the ocean uh, to America. That if you could imagine, could you imagine 200 stores in Portland today shutting down at noon for prayer meetings? That's the kind of thing that was happening in these revivals and just enormous uh, awakening within the church and awakening within the culture, people turning their hearts back to God, turning their hearts back to loving each other the way that God loves us. And we're just longing to see that in our part of the world as well. So uh, let's just plumb that for just a moment. So let's just imagine for a moment there are 200 Christian store owners in Portland. And they say today, we're going to all close at noon and we're going to pray for our city. Um, that could happen. That's not necessarily going to be led by a quote unquote pastor or ministry professional. That's going to be God moving in the hearts of people who, you know, their, their livelihood and their vocation is that they own a store of some kind. They own and operate a store of some kind. Um, Revival isn't just about like what's happening inside the church. Actually, revival is what's happening in lives and hearts and then the expression of in stores and in everywhere else, right? Like that that's part of what I want people to begin to see is that like if you're just like waiting around for your pastor to like preach the sermon that changes the world, like you're waiting for the wrong thing. Oh, uh, well, it can be a part of that, but it's not limited to that by any measure. And like I said, Every one of these great awakenings that we can document in American history has been uh, preceded and in some way seemingly ignited as people became desperate for God, and they began mm. passionately praying, uh, not only personally, but together. Oftentimes, 
like you said, sometimes among business people happened in Portland that way, happened in uh, New York that way, happened on college campuses where young people said, you know what, it, we just desperately need God to intervene in our culture, in our situation, because things have become so dark. Uh, we need only what God can do. And that that's really one of the fundamental characteristics of, of both awakenings as well as uh, prayer is that we get to a place of desperation, calling on him passionately, uh, as Dr. Dennison has written in numerous places, uh, calling on him very uh, urgently and continually, God, we need what only you can do, and we want you to start with us. Start with turning our own hearts back to you and back to your word, back to your ways, and back to loving each other the way you have called us to love. I'd love to equip. Um, I'd love to equip folks today to to pray like that. Um, and so, if you could walk us through um, these requirements or these vital characteristics for the way we pray, um, as we invite people to pray together, that God would send revival. I would love to, and just want to encourage people that we're seeing indications, Carmen, that the fifth great awakening may already be happening in the world, particularly in other places in the world, uh, but it doesn't seem to be happening in America and in Western Europe, at least not yet, uh, and probably because of our pride, because of our arrogance, thinking that we don't need God. But when we cry out to him, we need to cry out to him, as Dr. Dennison has written, we cry out to him passionately as uh, another theologian, R.A. Torrey, the revivalist, used to teach back in his day that there must be this desperation that we ask, seek, and knock, as Jesus told us to do in Luke 11, that we pray specifically about what's going on in our lives. We pray specifically what's going on in our communities and in our country, uh, that we need God to intervene, that thirdly, we pray in a continual way. Um, that we are like that woman that Jesus told about who kept coming to that corrupt judge asking for help, that that story is not showing us what God is like. It's showing us what we're supposed to be like in terms of our continual passion, asking God for his help every day and all through the day. And then lastly, that we pray together. We pray collectively. We find other believers, just like you were describing if if business owners in Portland or some other part of the world, some other part of our country said, you know what, there may be only two or three of us, there may be 10 or 12 of us, but we're going to come together and we're going to continually pray for what only God can do in our community, in our city, and in our country, in our generation. We don't want to miss a single thing that God wants to do now. The desperation part of this, Mark, is um, is is important. I think that when you ask, when you initially ask the question, can you imagine, you know, ten stores, ten store owners in Portland closing up at noon to to pray? Um, my thought was, I can imagine ten stores in Portland closing for a number of reasons today, um, and. That pushes me then to consider desperation as the motivation. And so things have to get bad, really bad, it seems, before the people of God 
get to the place where we do pray passionately and specifically, continually, collectively, where we do humble ourselves before the Lord, where we do recognize we do not have the answers necessary to meet the challenges um, of the culture in which we live or the days and times in which we live. Like, we literally need God. We're desperate for God. Um, I know a lot of people who want revival because they want other people to change. Can you speak to the humility that is necessary as as the right spirit? Maybe that's maybe that's my question. There's a right spirit of praying for revival, and there is a spirit in which we pray that God would change other people, but not us. Yeah, and that, that humility is so, so crucial as the starting place. Really, it is the starting place of faith, in my opinion. It's kind of the the cardinal virtue of all faith virtues, which is to recognize uh, our own need. Uh, but we are we are really good at being people with telephone poles in our own eye, uh, trying to look at the specks of dust that are in other people's eye. And I, I think that's when Jesus uh, comes to us in so many ways. But you know, for the last few years, he's impressed upon me this idea that we are to ask and seek and knock. Well, nobody asks unless they really humble themselves and realize they don't have all the answers and they don't know what's the right thing to do for themselves or for others. Uh, and like I said, it's it's easy for us to get on social media and to rage about what we see going on in other people's lives and how they're getting it wrong. But you very rarely see confessions of people's own brokenness and their own sin in uh, in those kinds of conversations. So how can we put ourselves in front of the mirror and say, God, start with me? You know, I love what Peter says at the at the end of his letter. He says, you know, it's time for judgment, and judgment must begin with the house of God. It must begin with me. Um, and am I willing to humble myself to ask God to come and to work in my life first? Um, there's another great revivalist who said, uh, he was asked one time, how, do, how does revival begin? He said, well, go home, get a piece of chalk draw a circle, get inside the circle, and pray until everything inside the circle is submitted to God, and revival will be among us. It has to start with us asking and, and, and looking in the mirror, letting God's Word call us into uh, repentance and into correction. And then we are to seek. Jesus said we are to be intentional. We are to make a plan. We are to be diligent in seeking what He desires not what we desire, but what he desires. And then we are to knock, Jesus said, with the confidence that he is on the other side, eager to open the door and come in if we are willing to let him come in. That kind of humility must be what marks our lives as believers. And yes, we're concerned about what goes on in our world. We're concerned about the brokenness, the darkness, the evil, but we want that revival to begin with us first and then spread to other people as we become lights and testimonies to them. Mm. All right, I want you to ask yourself here, just very briefly, um, how many minutes in a day? All right, how many minutes in a day? Can you do that math? It's 1,440. Some of those minutes, you're asleep, though. So let's let's cut it in half. Let's say 720. Would you pay $720 a day to talk with a chat bot? a social influencer who has cloned herself via AI. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things 
that you can get a Christian worldview on at Denison Forum. That's actually part of the subject of today's daily article at denisonforum.org. We're going to reach back a couple of days um, to uh, to an earlier post, and we're going to talk about Mission Impossible and fighting the good fight of faith in the real world every day. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Turman in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of Second Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you? And that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing. The suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. All right, we're continuing our conversation with our friend Mark Terman. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. You can find what we're talking about at denisonforum.org. Mark, let's talk about Mission Impossible. Uh, in Mission Impossible, I mean, without trying to, without spoiling the whole movie, um, there is something called the entity. What is the entity and what does it have to, to tell us about the battle for this world? Well, the entity in the movie, as I understand, I haven't seen the movie yet, but as I understand it, is a reflection of what we're seeing in the growing conversation about artificial intelligence, that the entity, uh, as described by Dr. Dennison from seeing the movie, which he has seen it, the entity possesses uh, limited omniscience and omnipotence, that is knowledge and power, um, and it also has the ability to be deceptive in the extreme using digital technologies to mislead people. And then it also is setting itself up as uh, humanity's greatest enemy seeking to take over the world. And I love the way Dr. Dennison says, you know, that, that, that may in some way remind people of AI, but it certainly ought to remind us of what the devil's agenda is, because the Bible describes... Mm. Satan in exactly those terms, that he has significant knowledge and power, not not the same as God, not equal with God, but the devil has significant power and knowledge. He is deceptive in the extreme, uh, sometimes called an angel of light in the Bible, and blinds the minds of people who are outside the faith to the reality of who Christ is, and that his, his agenda, as Jesus explained in John 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, the, the, the Satan is completely set against everything that God wants to do that is good and beautiful and right. And that's his plan, and that's what he's going to continue to try to do. 
Yeah, and you know, Mark and I are not saying that technology is, you know, is the enemy, but there is an enemy and technology can be used by the enemy. And so, you know, just be mindful of that. Um, how do we resist? This is a good opportunity, I think, for us to talk about recognizing and resisting um, the enemy. You know, he. I think this really good reminder, Mark, that although Satan or the enemy of God and therefore our enemy knows a lot, he doesn't know everything. And although he's powerful, he's not all powerful. God is great and greater um, in, in, than than the enemy we face. Absolutely, and I love. Thank you for pointing out that. No, I don't believe that technology is in itself evil. It can be used for evil or good, just like the technology we're using right now to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're trying to use it for the kingdom of God and for good things. Um, but Satan, as you said, is a very real enemy. And a lot of times people want to, uh, they, they, they take the, the teachings of the Bible about Satan and they, they misunderstand them, sometimes feeling like the devil is around every corner uh, but also sometimes the devil is great at the deception of making people to believe that he's not real at all. When Jesus spoke very clearly about his reality and about how it is a real battle that is going on all the time. And uh, the first thing that Dr. Dennison wrote about in this article was, number one, you need to recognize the fight is real. Uh, and the, the way the article is titled, right? Fight the good fight. Lots of fights that you and I can get into But the most important thing to do is to fight the good fight of faith, to walk with God and to try to represent him as ambassadors and to be what Jesus said, to be the salt and light that Jesus has called us to be. But a part of that is to realize that we're living behind enemy lines for a while and that this Mm -hmm. world has been captured in deception by the devil and that we have to recognize that fight. We have to be willing to step into it putting on the armor of God, as Ephesians 6 says. And we have to be willing to step in and to do battle in this fight the way that God encourages us to step into the fight, not with arrogance, not with uh, a sense of our own power and confidence, but with humility that uh, all of us, Carmen, are uh, we are all victims as well as villains. We are victims of what the devil is trying to do, but we also sometimes become our own villains because we participate with him rather than being humble and walking with God and trying to uh, serve the way Jesus served, to serve with humility, compassion, with mercy. And yes, we do speak the truth, but we speak it in a certain way. We uh, express it with a great deal of love and mercy and compassion for those like us who have also become victims of what the, the devil is doing in his deception. And then the last thing that Dr. Denson mentions is, is that we ask God for his power, his wisdom, his insight every day to lead and guide us, that we need that every moment of every day. I think there's no, um, there's no question that we live with this awareness that other people are living behind enemy lines. Your reminder that we're all living behind enemy lines is really helpful. Um, and what came to mind as you were, um, as you were saying that, Mark, I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm aware of the witness and the testimony of the people who found themselves um, with many millions of others in Nazi concentration camps, but the people who like 
saw it for what it was and were able to operate in the midst of that um, with with eyes wide open to to the reality of what was happening versus seeing themselves only as victims, um, but seeing themselves as still people who could operate um, as people of God in that context. Their experience, their own experience was utterly different, but they transformed the experience of others as well. And so I think that is, um, you've, you've, you've awakened my mind this morning um, with your comments related to that. I also, when you talk about um, this reminder that the battle is not against other people, um, I just think that the reminder of Ephesians six twelve, which is which for those of you that want to have all these notes, if you go to denisonforum.org, it's the daily article from a couple of days ago, Mission Impossible, and this scripture is in um, is in this article, and I just want to remind us of this. It's from Ephesians six verse twelve. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Mark, when we talk about unseen things, when we talk about the realm of the unseen, um, I think that there's a lot of people who they roll their eyes at us, but they're there is a real force, and and he is forceful. And so thank you for the reminder that um, the mission of Christ is not impossible, and we are actually empowered to participate in it. Absolutely. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. And as we remind ourselves yeah. that we have the Holy Spirit to empower us, equip us, and protect us, we're able to to speak, we're able to serve, and if necessary, sometimes we have to suffer but we do that as people who walk with God and who are seeking to bring others into the grace that we found. First John 4, 4, if you guys are looking for that Bible reference, um, yeah, greater is he that is in us than, is in the, than he that is in the world. Amen, amen, and amen. Mark, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk with you, Carmen. Have a great day. You too. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. I don't know, uh, a chat clone of yourself, chatbot AI clone of yourself that you then charged people a dollar a minute to engage with. <laughs> and this is, might be one of the um, the smartest. I can consumer. just see this now, Carmen, a Carmen chatbot. <laughs> Carmen GPT. We have so yes. much. We so have so much audio we could feed into it. I mean, literally, you could have my you could have my thoughts on anything in real time. And that would be real. It would be, you know, like it would be really stuff that I really said at some point. You know, it might not. And not, yeah, it's not, it, it might not be good, though. Like, I don't know if that sounds like a good idea at all. No, there you don't. go. Hey, no. we're coming to you for um, way less. Way, in fact, it costs you nothing. It costs you nothing because other people have invested in the ministry. Maybe that's an important thing to know today. Um, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen because a listener just like you gave a financial gift to this ministry um, in order that we could really talk together this morning. No, no chatbots involved. All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. You can visit with us at MyFaithRadio.com or on the text line 877-933-2484.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.